0: Well, good morning, everyone. We're starting a new series today entitled Devoted, because one of the things that uh, we are at this church is devoted, and in fact, there's an outline in front of you here uh, today uh, that'll talk about the topic. There's four topics in this series. The first one will be prayer that we're devoted to, but I wanted you to look down below that, that devoted means loyal, loving, committed, and true. One of the things we say at center Point is we want everyone to center their lives on Christ. Well, a centered life would be a devoted life where we are loyal and loving, committed and true to our relationship with Jesus. And the reason why is because that's the way Jesus treats us. He was devoted to us before we were ever devoted to him. He's the one who died on the cross while we were still sinners. Romans 5 tells us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and paid the penalty for all of our sins. If this is good news to you today, would you say amen? Jesus is devoted to us. We want to help each other be devoted to him. And so we're going to look at four different things in this series that we're devoted to at this church. And the first one we're going to start with is prayer. And you go, oh, some of you are going, oh, great. Didn't know this was a prayer service. Oh, my goodness, prayer. I don't know. Somebody might make me pray out loud. I'm leaving. Okay, I don't know. Uh, Or it's like sometimes we think, well, prayer is... You know, I don't, I don't know about prayer. I mean, prayer's just asking for stuff. It's kind of like you find a, a lamp and rub it, and then the genie comes out, and you make a wish. That's what prayer is. You just kind of make a wish in front of God. I mean, he's not going to answer it half the time anyway, so what's the point? I mean, I talk to people all the time. That's why they talk about prayer. go, Does prayer work. Like it's that lamp thing. I mean, rubbing the lamp, does the genie really come out? Or they come to me in my office Well, I want to come pray with you in your office about this. Why? They go, well, you got a better connection. You know, that I've got a a phone under a cake cover, like the old bat phone used to be. It's like, Lord, we need this stat. You know, it's like somehow I've got a, you know, a DSL line or something like this where I can make a request that other people can't get. And today I want to dispel that. We're devoted to prayer. Prayer is more than just, asking God for stuff. It's a lot more. In fact, um, prayer is the act or practice of spiritual communion with God. What does that mean? Well, that means spending time with God. It's not just talking to God. It's listening to God. It's sitting in his presence. It's being one with him. And that's what you find. The longer you grow, the, the longer you walk with the Lord, the longer you hang around him and other things, your prayer times turn into a lot more than just asking for stuff. Now, God wants us to ask for stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're in a scary situation, pray. That's always right. But that's not the, the end of it. I mean, any more than my relationship with my kids would be. I mean, we're God's children. Hey, if they're in trouble, I want them to call, but I want them to call about other stuff too. Don't just call me when you need money. We went through the teenage years. I know what that's like, okay? That was was part of it, but I want more than that. And God wants more than that. And what we're talking about today is spiritual communion and prayer. Listen to Psalm 116 verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen. I'll pray as long as I have breath. I love the Lord. I mean, it should shock us that the creator God of the universe loves us so much that not only did he pay the penalty for our sins on the cross, he opened up the throne room of heaven itself so you and I can walk in anytime we want and talk to him and have an audience with him. He bends down to listen to John Schmidt, to you. Now think of this. This is amazing. And yet we don't pray. Oh, we post on social media. Oh, yeah, we do. But have you prayed about it? No. Got a problem at work, got a problem at home, got money issues, health concerns, worried about it, angry about it mad about it. You ever prayed about it? No. 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 And yet God wants a relationship with us more than we want a relationship with him. He wants us to talk about our finances with him. Wants us to talk about our kids or our spouse or our future or our past with him. Wants us to talk about the good things in life and give him thanks. Wants us to praise him. He wants us to trust him. Communion. Time together. And if you guys could put up Colossians 4 2. I skipped over this earlier. That's the verse for today. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be committed to prayer. Be loyal to prayer. Love to pray. Be honest and true in your prayers. Does that describe you and me? Where people go, yeah, I, I don't know, never really prayed about it. You ever prayed with your spouse? No. Ever pray with your kids? No. Pray about your finances? No. Pray about what class you're going to take at school? No. No. If that's where we are, that's where we are. But you know what we want to do at this church? We always want people to take one step more. That's why it's part of this devoted series. We want to be more committed, more devoted to God next year than we are this year. We want to take a step up. This is a church where we always want to gently push people. It's kind of like when uh, I do a wedding and the groom is standing next to me and he's got to step out next to the bride's dad. And sometimes they freeze because they've never seen the bride look so beautiful before and they just, they're just they frozen. And I gently shove them. There's a hand right in their back. I'm like, okay, here we go. Well, today I want to gently shove us toward taking a step up in prayer. We need to be better at praying. I hope you understand that at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, we're centering lives on Christ, which means we're always trying to grow closer to God, be more devoted next year than we are this year. If you're glad to be a part of a church, to be present at a church where that's the case, would you say amen? Amen. Okay. That's where we're going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, and I pray that you will gently shove all of us, that you'll move me out of the way and remind us that you don't want us just praying in crises. You do want us praying in crises. But not only then. There's so much more. Would you open our eyes to what it means to be devoted in prayer? Please, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. God wants us to be devoted in prayer, point A. Point B, fortunately, Jesus taught his disciples a lot about being devoted in prayer. Way more than what I could cover in one message, so I'm going to pick one chunk of scripture. It's the first half of Luke chapter 18. Jesus told a couple of stories, and then there's one story about how Jesus interacted with some children that will inform us today. Three points I want to make under that. First of all, being devoted to prayer means never giving up. Never giving up. Can we say those three words together, please? Never giving up. One more time. Never giving up. I mean, when you think about somebody who's devoted in their marriage, they never give up. If I'm devoted to my my work, I don't give up. I don't give up. But we give up all the time in prayer. We do. And Jesus tells us, don't do that. One day, Jesus, was, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Now, this is not the judge you want handling your traffic ticket. He doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about you. Yikes. This guy's corrupt. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. So Jesus is setting the stage in that culture. A widow would have been the lowest on the totem pole when it came to political power. I mean, maybe lower would be an orphan on the streets, but that's it. I mean, in those days, if a woman didn't have a husband or a son or a father or a male relative to represent her, she was in trouble. And so here was this widow who had no political clout seeking justice from a judge who doesn't care. I don't care. So a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. She is wearing me out. In those days, if a judge came to a certain city or the times of maybe judging, they would probably set up a tent in a public court and you would bring your case before him and he would rule. Well, he dismissed her. I'm not going to hear your case. Get out of here. And so apparently you get the idea, is she would walk around the tent all day long going, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And then wherever he was staying at his house, apparently she'd go there at night. Give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And he goes, look, I'll do anything to get her quiet. If you understand the story, that's what's going on. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson. From this unjust judge, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Here are a couple of notes. This is a parable of contrast. God is not saying, Jesus is not saying, your heavenly Father is just like the unjust judge and you're just like the widow. He's saying it's just the opposite. This is a parable of contrast. This isn't hard to understand. We are not ignored widows with no clout with God. We are God's chosen people. What do I mean by that? Ephesians one, Paul talks about this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Desires, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. It's what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. And if that's good news to you today, would you say amen? Amen? You and I are not. Poor widows, no clout with God. We are his adopted children. He sent his son to die on the cross in our place. He has opened the throne room of heaven and we can walk right in. Furthermore, God cares deeply about us and he is not an unjust judge. If anybody's just in the whole universe, it's our heavenly father. And he cares about you and me. How much? Well, David talked about this in Psalm 56. He said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. Could we say that phrase together, please? God is on my side. One more time. God is on my side. Hmm. I praise God for what he's promised. Yes, I'll praise the Lord for what he's promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? And you go, well, yeah, David wrote that when things were going great and he was king. No, he wrote that when his father-in-law, his crazy father-in-law, Saul, was trying to kill him. He was hiding among the Philistines. The Philistines found out he was there and they were thinking about killing him. He wasn't worried about losing his job. He was worried about losing his head. That's when he wrote those words. God's on my side. Because he believed God was on his side. That brings us to the next point on your outline, the note in your outline. This parable reminds us that authentic prayer requires faith. David's circumstances looked like God had forgotten all about him. But David understood something we forget all the time. God is good. I mean, it's not that he knows good. We know what's good. We're just not always good. I mean, heck, if we don't get a cup of coffee in the morning, we're not even good then. We know what's right, but we don't always do it. God not only knows what's right, God is justice. He always does what's right. So even if our circumstances head south, David goes, well, my circumstances don't determine God's goodness. God's on my side. David, your father-in-law is trying to kill you. These Philistines, if he doesn't get it done, they'll probably kill you. Yeah. "Mm, What can mere mortals do to me? I mean, David's the guy who wrote Psalm 23. The day I die, I'm going to go to live with the Lord. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever why am I going to be afraid? Nope, I'm going to trust in God. Is that the way you and I pray? No, we don't pray that way at all. Lord, work is so hard. This is terrible. Get me out of here. Lord, my neighbors, oh, I can't stand my neighbors. Lord, Worried about the future, worried about the past. I'm just obsessed with it. I can't think about anything else. God, why are you treating me this way? My life's terrible. And we don't trust that God's going to watch out for us. We don't trust that he's going to answer prayers. In fact, a lot of times our prayers to God are just venting. We give up on praying because God hasn't met our expectations in the past. I prayed in the past, Lord. Didn't come through then. I mean, I knew people in 2020 that lost their business during COVID. Worked hard. COVID came and lost their business. I know other people, they didn't just lose their business. They lost a loved one. And you and I, a lot of times we try to figure out, hey, we know we live in a fallen world where bad things happen and people die. But do we trust God through all that, that he's going to guide us through all this? No. In fact, when bad things happen, we turn away from him. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not reading the Bible anymore. I'm not praying anymore. He doesn't come through. Prayer doesn't work. God is not good. Now, we don't say it out loud, but that's the way we live. It's not the way David prayed. Things were terrible. David, you might be killed tomorrow. Yeah, but God's on my side. I want to be like that. David was devoted. I want to be devoted. I think you want to be devoted. That's why you're here today. And then we got to get rid of these unrealistic expectations. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is me bringing a list to God, getting the password, rubbing the lamp. So the genie comes out and gives me what I want. Maybe we go to John Schmidt's office. There'll be better reception there for it, but that's what we want. And if God comes through, gives us what we want in the time frame that we deem as reasonable, then maybe we'll trust him a little bit. No. I mean, this is the way Gideon would talk. Gideon was, an angel appeared to Gideon and said God was gonna use him to be a mighty deliverer. An angel is standing in front of him telling him God's going to do an amazing thing through him. And guess what Gideon said? Well, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? An angel is standing in front of him. He left out the part where people had turned their back on God for centuries. We also give up On praying, not only because God hasn't met our expectations in the past, we give up on praying because we believe our problems are too big or too hard for God to handle. Got a reference there from Mark 9, where Jesus arrives with a few of his disciples. He's been with them. He's been away, and while he's away, the rest of the disciples are dealing with a situation where a young boy has been brought to them for healing. He's possessed by a demon. And his father is understandably concerned, and they bring the boy to Jesus' disciples, and they can't cast the demon out. So when Jesus shows up, the, the father brings the boy to him and says, I brought him to your disciples. Your disciples couldn't cast him out. In fact, here's what he says. He says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus goes, I love this. What do you mean if I can? This is the son of God. This is God in the flesh, the one who made the whole universe. And the father's going, well, help us if you can. If I can. And the father realized he had been mistaken here because Jesus went on. Anything's possible, a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, oh, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Man, that is a phrase you and I need to pray every day. Lord, help us overcome our unbelief. Help me believe that you're good even when my circumstances are bad. Help me believe that you can do things that I can't do. Help me believe that you're working behind the scenes in ways that I can't imagine. Please help me with my unbelief. We don't believe. And that's why we're anxious and afraid because we can project all sorts of situations going into the future, but every time we project into those things, We don't project God being there guiding us. We project ourselves trying to figure it out. And of course, we're instantly swamped. We don't know the future. We don't even know if our projections are accurate. And most of the time, they're not. You know how it goes. Driving somewhere. Well, I'm going to say this and she's going to say that. I'll tell you what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen. Things never change. He'll never quit drinking. They'll never be nice. I'll never get a raise. I've heard of churches where people talk this way. This one. This is us. We talk this way. We give up on people. We give up on God. We say nothing's going to change. And we don't pray. Remember I told you When we start this message, we're gonna gently shove us. This is God's shove. We should pray more and complain less. We should pray more and worry less. We should trust that he's good even when our circumstances are bad. This is what he wants. Life application. We should trust God and keep praying. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, he'll show you which path to take. That's Old Testament. Here's New Testament, Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Can we say those three words together, please? Keep on praying. Isn't that amazing how those words keep showing up? That's what faith looks like. That's what devotion looks like. Commitment, loyalty, truth. I'm not giving up on you, Jesus. I don't know how you're going to solve this. I don't know what you're going to do. Trust in you. If I got to change, I'll change. If they got to change, they'll change. We both got to change. Maybe you're working on circumstances that I can't even comprehend. Probably. One, we got to keep on praying. Two, being devoted In prayer means humbly presenting our request to God, humbly, not with a know-it-all attitude. Lord, here's what you gotta do. This is the way it's gonna work. And I know, Lord, I've researched it all. This is the way to get it done. Now get this done. Let's go. Then Jesus told this story to some who had, this is a little more in Luke 18 to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and they scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Now, Jesus is setting up a story here in the culture of the day. The Pharisee would have been a PhD in a Bible college and the tax collector would have been a notorious criminal. The Pharisees spent all their time studying the Bible, knew uh, the Old Testament that they had at the time, Knew it inside, outside, and upside down, and were experts at quoting all kinds of things. Tax collectors were more than people who just worked for the IRS. The Romans were occupying Israel at the time. And just like they did everywhere else, the Romans would find someone who lived in that culture who would collect their taxes for them. Somebody who knew what things were worth, who knew the language, and that they could get to work for them. Here's how they recruited them. They said, we want you to collect taxes for us. Why would I collect taxes for you? You guys are the... Empire, like from Star Wars, you know, dun, dun 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 That's them. That's the Romans. The bad guys. Why would they come? And they said, "Well, here's how we'll do this. If you're willing to collect our taxes, you know what things are worth. You know where people keep stuff. You know how much. You know the language and the customs. I'll tell you what. This is how much we need you to collect." You can add on whatever you think you can get away with and we'll back you up with soldiers and force people to pay it to you. You mean I collect what you want and I can ask for whatever? I could double it. If you think you can get away with it, sure. We'll back you with soldiers. Just collect what we need. We don't care what you do with the rest. So a tax collector was not only a traitor to his people, he was a crook. And these people became fabulously wealthy because they were scamming people and people hated them. Everybody knew what they were doing. So two men went to the temple to pray one day. One was a Pharisee, PhD, Bible college. The other was a despised tax collector, a turncoat and a thief. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, said he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. In the original language, it even goes stronger than that. It says, for I am the sinner. I'm the bottom of the barrel. I tell you, the sinner not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who humble themselves will be, I mean, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's important to note this. Jesus hates religious pretense. He hates when we go around pretending we're better than other people. He died on the cross for the tax collector as well as the Pharisee. He died on the cross for you and me as well as everybody else on the planet, whoever will come to him. Remember John three sixteen: whosoever believes in him? Well, whosoevers are some people we don't like and they don't like us. We all need Jesus. Beware of these teachers of religious law, Jesus said, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. Oh, and how they love seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table of banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they'll be more severely punished. Here's a life application. We just need to pray simple, direct, honest prayers. When you pray, Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward will ever get. I hope somebody was listening because God's not. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. You'll get the new car if you pray the Lord's Prayer 11 times and then you quote Psalm 23 12 times, then you get the new car. And that's the password. That's today's password to the vault, a blessing in heaven. I mean, sometimes we reduce prayer down to that. And Jesus goes, this isn't the way it works. I want a relationship with you. communion. I want you to talk to me about your need for a car. I want you to ask me what I want you to have. I want you to talk to me about a need for relationships. I want to guide you in that. I want you to talk to me about your career and what I'd like you to do. I want you to talk to me about your past and surrender those things to me. I can heal you. This is what our Lord wants. But we're the ones who don't have time to pray. Yeah, I don't need to pray about that. We just work harder and faster. Hmm. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Well, if he knows what we need before we ask him, then why are we praying? for us. We're the ones who need time with God. We're not cluing him in. He's cluing us in. We're the ones who come to him with all our ideas. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have this. I got to have that. This way, this time, right now, chop, chop, Lord, get busy. Remember, Lord, I'm in charge here. You work for me. Oh, yeah, sorry. Got that backward. And the Lord goes, no, I'm your father and you are my children and you have no clue about the future. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you really need. You don't even understand the desires of your own heart. I do. Meet with me. I'll help you. I'll teach you. Come to me. When you're weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. I can help you overcome that addiction. I can help you understand what you need. But you gotta come to me. That's prayer. I mean, this is why we can sit in prayer and talk to God, but we can also listen to God. Look at this note here the Holy Spirit will help us when we don't know what to pray. I mean, this is really amazing, too. Sometimes people come to me and they go, Well, I can't pray to God. What if I say the wrong thing? Well, you don't have to worry about it. In fact, if you don't even know what to pray, God will translate the attitude to your heart. And the Holy Spirit, this is Romans eight twenty six, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. He can translate. See, I mean, I can just come to God and go, God, I'm so upset right now, I don't even know what to do. And God knows what I need better than I do. So I can just sit in his presence and cry, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. Remember David said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. He knows. He loves you. Come to him. Communion. Communion. Devoted to God in prayer means we don't quit, even when the circumstances go south. Being devoted in prayer means we humbly present our request to God, not demanding our own way and not condemning other people. I mean, don't miss this either. I mean, I don't know anybody who says, well, I'm glad we read this today. John, I was going to go stand on the street corner and pray loudly. Nobody here was probably going to go do that. But can I tell you another person on a street corner that we might be tempted to judge just the way the Pharisee did? What if there's somebody on the street corner holding a cardboard sign that says, Need money for food? And what if our first thought is not to pray for those people, but to say, Why don't they get rid of people like that? Why are those people standing here? They shouldn't be here. They're worthless. Thank you, Lord, I'm not like them. I mean, do we ever pray for them? Do you know that Jesus loves them? Am I saying that all these people are legit and nobody's scamming? No, I'm also reminding you that Jesus told a story about a tax collector who is definitely a scammer. What if we prayed for them? Remember, God's trying to push us. What if we prayed instead of judged? What if we prayed and trusted instead of worried? Thirdly, being devoted to prayer means spending time in prayer with God as his children. We're talking about this communion here. What does it look like? It, means it looks like children hanging out with their dad or their grandparents. One day, some parents brought their little children. This is another section of Luke 18. I've just been going through this chapter. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. And then Jesus called the children and said to his disciples, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. To tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God is like a God like a child will never enter it. And it's important to note here what he's talking about. Little children look forward to spending time with parents and grandparents who love them. They come excitedly, openly, expectantly, full of trust, with total dependence and complete sincerity. I mean, this is the way God wants us to come. I mean, this applies to more than prayer, but it certainly applies to prayer. God has given me a new insight to this all over again. Uh, Debbie and I are at the stage of life now where we have grandchildren. We have three of them. And the oldest grandchild is three years old, which means he is fun. His name's Averitt. He lives in Atlanta. His parents live there too, I guess. But anyway, uh, (laughs) we got to see him and his little brother. And it's just so funny just when the other time we drove up, we pulled in the driveway and he came racing out the door. My grandparent name is Pop. And he goes, Pop! And he jumps up in my arms and wraps his arm around me. I cannot tell you how much joy that brought to me. I love that. And it struck me, even as it was happening, this is the way... God loves it when I come to him. I mean, that's the last life application. We need to look forward to times of prayer with God and come excitedly, openly, expectantly, full of trust with total dependence and complete sincerity like my little grandson does with me. We need to come that way. John, that's not in the Bible. Really? Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, blah, Lord, I'm coming. You tell me if that doesn't mean that. Does that describe you and me? I can't wait to meet with the Lord. I love to talk to God. My little grandson, he climbs up my lap. He loves to read books. He doesn't know how to read, but I do. What if we did that? I'm climbing up your lap, Lord. I don't know the future, but you do. I don't know how to handle problems, but you do. My grandson doesn't know how to drive. He knows I do. I can take him to the zoo. I'm riding with him. He never worries about it. God knows how to get us to the next place in our career. I don't know how to drive. He does. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Oh, Lord, I'm coming. Remember, God's going to push us today. So that's why this ladder magically appeared while I was talking. (laughs) Inside your bulletin, there's a card. Please take it out. It's called Devoted Steps. I want you to keep this with you. For the next four weeks, this is the first of four weeks, you'll see the prayer section for today. We're talking about these other things here. You're going to love this series, by the way because it's going to help us all be more devoted. We're all going to try to grow together. The Bible tells us we're supposed to spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's what we're doing here, letting God push us. And so the idea of the latter is let's take a step up. If this is where I am and I'm comfortable where I've been, well, how would I take a step up in prayer? Well, step one would be this. I'd attend a next steps prayer class. Maybe you grew up in a home where people prayed a lot and you know how to pray. Maybe you grew up in a home where people never prayed. Well, how would you learn? Well, take a class. Fortunately for you, there's one this afternoon. (laughs) Isn't that amazing what a coincidence that was? It'll be offered many times this next year, by the way. You show up here at 2 o'clock. You'll be able to attend two different sessions. There's five breakouts in all. There's a little flyer in your bulletin as well with all the breakouts on there. If you want to know how to pray with your spouse, how to pray for your kids, how to overcome obstacles in prayer, how to pray scripture, Debbie and I will even be teaching a session on how to pray for an hour. And you go, that's not possible. Yes, it is. And you'd have fun doing it. You'd love it. Don't believe me? Show up at 2 o'clock. We'll show you. You can come today. It's free. We're going to offer it multiple times during the year. Next year, again, too. There'll be prayer sessions. That's step one. Do you want to get closer to God? Do you want to be better in prayer next year than you are now? You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to take a step up. This is up to you. Secondly, if you're already there and you say, well, I already know how to pray. Well, will you schedule each time to pray for the needs of others? And if we're going to ask you to turn this in in a few weeks, and if you check that box, then we will have somebody reach out to you and make sure you know how to do that. Step three, I'm going to pray out loud with others in a small group. Some of you are going, I've been to a small group. I've never prayed out loud in my whole life. Well, would you be willing to take a step up? Would you be willing? We can teach you. It'll transform you. Because that leads to the next step. You can pray, then after praying out loud in a group, you can initiate prayer with others. When somebody's sick, you could go to their house and pray for them. When somebody's having trouble with their marriage, you could go and pray for them. You could, out loud. John, ministers do that. Of course we do. You don't need a PhD or a master's to do that. You don't. Do you want to learn? We can teach you. And the last one is you could be a prayer volunteer. That'd be the top step. There are people who are here here this morning at 8 a.m. praying for you in this service. There are people that are here at six o'clock or six thirty every Wednesday night, and they pray for our student ministry that meets in this room every Wednesday night. They pray that God will speak to people, that God will reach people, that God will move in this place. If you've come in here and said, "Man, I just feel like God's in that place," He is. There are people <laughs> praying for that. Would you like to be a part of that? Maybe you're one of those people who could step up to that step. You check these boxes. You turn this in in a couple of weeks. We'll get you involved. So Nick's going to come out here now. Nick, if you come on out, he's going to lead us in a closing song in a minute, but I'm going to have a word of prayer for us. And then I'm going to ask him just to play some music for about 45 seconds or a minute for you to talk about, for you to think about what would be a step up for me? Am I happy with where my prayer life is? And even if you are, Am I willing to take a step up and be better at prayer? I need to be devoted to prayer. Will you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, this stepladder is a great visual image, but I need a stepladder to reach heights I can't reach. And Lord, we need to take some steps if we're going to be more devoted in prayer a year from now than we are now. It's not going to happen by accident. We got to choose this. Being devoted is a choice. Speak to us, Lord, today. Remind us, being with you is the best thing. God, I just want to be like my little grandson is with me. Can't wait to be with you every day. Speak to us, Lord. Shove us. Help us be more devoted to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.